Welcome to Bat Therapy, exploring your favorite comic book characters through the lens of clinical psychology. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We're your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding, and it's not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. All right, today we are doing Batman Begins. Yes, Hans Zimmer did a great job with the music. Of course he did. I mean, it's Hans Zimmer. Right, the man can do no wrong with you asked me i didn't i i couldn't figure out when i got infatuated with him i'm pretty sure i got it was Li- the lion king because mm. yeah i remember just listening i think that the lion king movie score might be what really got me honed in and infatuated with movie scores because up until that point the only movie score i cared about was 89 batman uh <laughs> and and then uh the lion king's movie score i was like huh this movie music matters it's really good <laughs> <laughs> now, so first things first, I, let me just say, so I've been very, 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 very infatuated with Robert Pattinson, Batman, Matt Reeves, Batman. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go listen to it and, and make sure you see that movie. It's so yes. good. It's long. We get it's long. They should have made it two and a half hours. I'm not going to disagree with that. And it's great. I don't know what you would have cut out of it, though. Honestly, you could have cut out a lot of Penguin, in my opinion. But that's not who we're talking. I'm just that's, pause that's it, pee break, just... come back. It's great. <laughs> right. right. Okay. Fine. Watch it in chapters. But that. Okay. So this is what's fun. Before we get on Batman Begins, I do believe that it's funny that when someone sees that a movie is three hours long, they're like, "Nope, I can't do it." But you can binge watch an entire TV show <laughs> in one day. And but, but like, it's, it's fine. I, you know, I think the chap, like you said, chapters make a difference. <laughs> but I, I get it because everybody was like, Snyder Cut, yes. So, right. yeah, we, we you know, Gosh, we're hypocrites. What do you want from us? Snyder Cut was, what, four hours long? I don't remember how long it was. I think that I think it I think it was like four hours. It was, but it he was actually like, put like chapters for different things. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> right. All right. We're off to so, a great start. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I suffer from ADHD. I'm pretty sure everyone out there has picked up on that by now. And I have no excuse. Right. Right. <laughs> You're the doc doc. Okay. So. I had become infatuated with Matt Reeves' Batman, but for this episode, I went back and I watched Batman Begins. And it brought back all the appreciation I had for it back when it came out. Because when Batman Begins came out, the only Batman movies that we had had were the Tim Burton ones and then the Joel Schumacher campy ones. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, like... 20 or 30 years before that, we had the Adam West one, and those were the Batman movies that we had, and I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting one that was, like, in black and white and super obscure, and apologies to all the super Batman historians out there. 
But yeah, so I was super excited about that. I was also really excited because they had never done a live action, uh, live action scarecrow. Hmm. The the canceled there was there was a canceled Schumacher Batman. The third one that was coming out, I believe it was going to be called Batman Victory, and the main villains in it were going to be Man Bat and Scarecrow. But, oh, that would have been cool. Right, but after Ice to See You and all that, there was and uh, and Nipple Batman and all that. Right, yeah. right. After after the Bat Nipples and yeah, that was they kind of just put that away for a while. So Batman Begins can, comes out and it was it was just a a very exciting time. I I'll never forget going to the midnight show for that because I was already by then a huge huge Batman fan. And so when <laughs> it came out, I was just oh man. This this Batmobile, I think it's a tank. What is happening right now? Michael Caine's <laughs> in it. Wow, Michael like, Caine is, is so good. Right, like he's he's so and he's such a good Alfred in 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 this so in this movie. And I'm not gonna lie, up until this movie, I wasn't extremely familiar with Christian Bale. I wasn't very familiar with him at all. It was just like, oh, mm. American Psycho. I yep. guess I guess he could he did be a li- he Batman. did some stuff when he was a kid too right. that I'd uh, seen him in but Newsies yeah. he's in, yeah. in Newsies uh, yeah how he was wasn't he yeah yeah absolutely oh. see yeah he was one of those before Batman where you're like oh yeah that was him <laughs> everyone's with Disney and first. now he's Batman right that that was something they did different in this movie too. Uh, so yeah, and it they did some things that I was not expecting in this movie. So it opens up, young Bruce is running, he falls into a bat cave, and he's mm-hmm. absolutely terrified. His dad rescues him, and it's this is also something that they hadn't shown before, but they also really focused in on just how perfect Thomas and Martha Wayne are. Like Thomas Wayne is just the best. Dad. He, does, he is like a very wholesome dad in the movie. Right. He's such a good guy. He's like, he's oh, yeah. He's very caring, very attentive. Right. Yeah. And he seems it, like the sweet person. Almost to a fault. Like at one point, like they're, they're, they're like riding the train. He's like, look, it's Wayne Enterprises. And Bruce is, Bruce is just like, oh, did you work there, dad? And he's like, oh, no. I work at the hospital. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Wow, you're well, gonna, you're gonna get shot soon. Like oh, I just, Keaton, <laughs> Keaton, you know who you'd be in this movie? You would be Ra's al Ghul. Would I? I you don't... literally are saying exactly what Ra's al Ghul says in the movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was. He was he, it was. It's just. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But this Thomas Wayne, he was too good for this world. He was too good. Gotham, and that's exactly what Ra's al Ghul was saying. Yeah, Gotham didn't deserve him. It didn't. But like it. It was just funny watching it because he really was like they really built up. Look how great of a guy Thomas Wayne is. And then, of course, they go to the opera that night. It's terrifying. Bruce is scared because the poor kids, he's bats up up there. So he's yeah, he's still right. kind of wigging out from, still traumatized from, falling, into from the cave. falling into a bat cave that was in their backyard, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Thomas Wayne sees Bruce afraid and he's like, Hey, let's get out of here. He doesn't even say, Oh, Bruce is scared. We got to go. Mm-hmm. He's, he saves Bruce to shame. He's like, Oh, 
it's hot and stuffy in here. Let's get some air. Let's go out. And of course, the the back door that they leave out of uh, is Crime Alley. And uh, Joe Chill comes up. He happily gives Joe mm-hmm. Chill the wallet. He's like, here, man, here's the wallet. And of course, Joe Ch- there's always pearls. There, there's always, always pearls. there's always pearls. I'm not gonna lie. I thought pearls were gonna be a much higher commodity as a child because of the <laughs> Batman movies. Like I really thought, like there are always pearls in there. Uh, and of course, he goes for the pearls, and then Thomas jumps in, and that's when the shooting yeah. happens. And the last words to Thomas to that Thomas says to Bruce as he's dying is like, "Don't be scared. Like don't be afraid." So I'm glad you bring this up because I think that it that that showed. The one flaw that they showed in his character in the whole movie. Really? Because he and his wife are bleeding, dying on the ground in front of their child. Right. And he says, it's okay. Don't be afraid. Right. And he means (laughs) very well. That's true. He means very well. He's trying to comfort his son. He's trying to make sure his son is is okay until someone can help him. And yet, I think... I wondered when I watched that, I was like, oh, because fear, avoiding fear, putting fear in other people, moving through fear, like fear is like a main theme in this movie. Right. And I wonder if that got stuck for him. Oh. Huh. Yeah, because it was like, it's basically his father's dying wish was for him to not be afraid yeah and yeah and so at this point this is the first time we meet james gordon mm. right yeah he comes he he puts the coat around bruce and he's and and then they they just go oh by the way we caught him we caught joe chill and so i was honestly shocked right then because it's like oh they they immediately caught happened him fast that happened yeah. fast it's like wow roll credits this is good <laughs> wonder what's next gonna happen movie. in the next movie we are, we've already <laughs> seen bats so they've checked all the marks i'm happy but yeah after that they show they do a really good job in this movie of showing a lot more of the bruce wayne side and they also yeah. show a lot more of the police aspect of it and the mm. court the court aspect of it like i'm not gonna lie it almost there there, there were times in it when I, it, it felt like law and order gotham right because you you saw the <laughs> district attorney's office and the police commissioner was frustrated and they can't nail falcone because or as this movie says Ugh. falcone Ugh. right they put like a hard e on his name i don't understand that we're just gonna ignore that right and the psychologist of gotham he's a, he's corrupt. Cr- he's corrupt like so of all the corrupt. people to be corrupt like <laughs> He's a terrible human being. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. He's this, a terrible yes, human okay, being. Okay, yeah. I have to give you the floor now because this has to strike personally. Yeah. With you, right? Yeah. He, like, essentially leans into all the harmful stereotypes and takes advantage of them to yeah. help the crime lords be able to do what they want. Yes. So he's essentially saying that. That all of these people who are violent, essentially, they they can't be seen to take ownership of their own actions within the law, which is complete and utter BS. As and and, and the nice thing in this is is that 
it's kind of pointing out the fallacy in that. Violence does not equal mental health issues. And it actually takes quite a bit to be seen as as not, not being seen... Um, I'm trying to think of, because I don't know the right verbiage, but there are very specific legal terms, and I apologize to any forensic folks out there. But essentially, it actually takes quite a bit to argue that someone is not responsible for their actions within the law. Because even if you're doing things related to to mental health, you can still very much be aware that you did something that was legally wrong. And right. all of these things come into play in terms of all the things that, that roll out. So, yeah. And then on top of all that, he calls people crazies. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I was and about to touch re- on that. Yes. yes. So, so okay. I understand. I hear so it, – it's become – the word crazy is becoming a word that people use for, like, everything now. Yes. And it depends on on the person, but especially if you're using it to describe a person, right. but potentially using it at all is actually extremely offensive to a lot of people who have mental health conditions because that's what's been used to label them, to say that they don't matter, to say um, that we don't care about you, to to write someone off, and and even worse things. So yeah, when, and when you use the word crazy, I was just like, ah. Yeah, in the in the world of mental health, the word crazy seems very lazy because it it it's almost like, oh, I'm just gonna put all of these different terms and all of these different issues that someone might be struggling from, and put them under the cloud of crazy. Right. Crazy it's- is a word that we use to essentially say that person's so different, I don't have to worry about understanding them. Right. And- We're going to put them in that box way over there. And, you know, I feel and I also like I I'm certainly not a professional at this, but I mean, I've even watched enough crime documentaries to know there's certainly a line between, oh, someone being violent and someone having a actual like severe mental health issue mm-hmm. right like there's a very big line but yeah he was just dancing he, all he was taking it. advantage of all the things a terrible terrible human being um i just appreciate that they made it very obvious how terrible he was because unfortunately things are not always so obvious so i, I feel like I got the sense that, okay, at the very, the reason this didn't like super irk me, it was just like, oh, you're a terrible person uh, in this movie versus like me feeling an affront as a psychologist was like, okay, they're, they're making it very clear that he is not a good representation of a psychologist versus the like hundreds of representations where they show psychologists having sex with their clients. Those peeve me more. Oh, yeah, they they do that a lot. They do that a lot, and that is very unethical. So That does happen. (laughs) I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh. So those peeve me more because they make it seem like this normal thing, and and there's just a lot of power differentials and other things that really makes that not okay for – it's very natural for someone to feel connected and even form feelings for a therapist given – just how connected you can become, but it's up to the therapist to really draw that line and make sure it doesn't cross into this other territory. Cause there's really, right. Yeah. 
So right. those bother me more than Scarecrow because Scarecrow is a very obviously bad psychologist. Yeah. I, it's interesting when you talked about the line. Like, I remember when I was about to get married, I, I asked the friend, I, was like, I said, would it be weird to invite my therapist to my wedding? And they were, mm. and they were just like, yeah, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, don't do that. You need to keep some worlds separated. And and the, like, yeah, it's it's a okay. weird one because, <laughs> yeah, you're telling all these different things. And it's also healthy, yes, to keep certain worlds separate and certain boundaries and right. and all this stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a complicated thing. And it's also very natural to be like, hey, uh, my therapist knows me really well. I'd love to be able to invite. Like, all of us have stories of, of people who they've been like, oh, I wish you weren't my therapist so we could just grab a beer. And you know what? Sometimes oh, we think the same yeah, thing. that's true. That's true. Now, imagine if that person that understood you more than anyone in the world was Dr. Jonathan Crane. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, and this, well, I'll, and I'll say, because we, we got to backtrack at some point to yes. everything that Bruce does before all of this. But one thing that's interesting about this iteration of Jonathan Crane is he's not like a chemist that is obsessed Mm-mm. with like normally his backstory i think batman the animated series he was a college professor that lost funding because his stuff was a little bit too out there and people were just like not messing with him and then he just kind of does it anyway and gets infatuated with the concept of fear this one is very very different because the origin of the fear toxin is different in this yeah and like you said it's much more like ra's al ghul's thing right and he is like the, the district psychologist or I guess the, the court psychologist. Like what? So I think he was the psychologist for the defense because oh, okay. he, yeah, he, cause he was helping the, the criminal, the, the crime bosses and stuff versus, uh, what's her name? Rachel, whatchamadoodle. Rachel, uh, yeah. She's Rachel, got a last Rachel name. Dawes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> like she's got a name. Right. So Rachel Dawes, she was like, we're going to bring in our own expert. So that would be the expert on the side of the the DA. Um, but but yeah, there's you're right. There's um, less of this focus on fear from him. It's kind of more the circumstances all coming together, which is funny because he's the scarecrow and turns into the scarecrow. And, and he does seem a little bit of an afterthought of it. But is definitely this personification of all these things that Ra's al Ghul is really touting, which is creating vengeance where you're more than a man, you're a symbol, and essentially strike fear so that you can have true vengeance and justice, but yes. to a very terrifying degree. Yeah, so we yeah we got to backtrack a little bit. I, I did skip a, a whole thing, didn't I? Because after Bruce's parents die he is basically kind of growing up and he grows up and joe chill is Mm. in court he's up for parole yep and bruce straight up takes a 38 and he has a snub nose 38 in his pocket because he says i'm gonna kill this guy i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shoot him and falcone falcone don't do that to me (laughs) well i don't know what to do do i say the character's name the way they say it in the movie, or do I say it the the correct pronunciation, right? But it was like Falcone sends his regards, and he gets like uh, assassinated. 
So it's not just in case anyone's blurry on the details at, at this point. So it's not Bruce that does it. He sees someone else right. kill. Joe, Bruce is Joe about Joe. to walk up and do it. And then, uh, yeah, someone beats him to it. And he and uh, Rachel and him leave together. And Rachel's like, you're a good man, Bruce. And he's like, I'm not that good. And he pulls out the gun and then Rachel slaps him in the face. Not once, but twice. I thought that was a little... That's a Lacking in compassion. Okay, okay, right? granted. He was about to kill someone, and I, I, I would also probably freak not, But not out. just someone. Yeah. He wasn't just this... about to kill someone. This was True. the person he saw in his nightmares. Yeah. This was the person he thought about I also don't think slapping someone in the face who's holding day. a firearm is the smartest idea in the world, but, you it's know, whatever. It's not very, yeah, very much a, yeah, very much not a, a smart thing to do but she was just super angry with him i i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't like that because honestly like you i'm with you he needed a lot of compassion right there and she tells him she's like oh in there is carmine falcone and he owns all of gotham and as long as he's running the show more joe chills will continue to spawn and at that point bruce gets out of the car he tosses the gun into the water and then he goes in, talks to Carmine, and gosh, it, the actor, what's I think his name's Tom Wilkinson. He did such a good job as this he character did. because he was excellent. Oh my gosh, the the way that he's just has this attitude, like I'm the most powerful. I do exactly what I want. Look, I got a judge there. I got two councilmen there. I got someone on the union there. And look, now I have a gun. And I can shoot you right now in front of all these people and nothing would happen. And I was like, wow, man, he sounds like the the, the, the president. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it was really interesting the way that they that they did that. So then Bruce basically leaves. And at that point, I think that's when it shifts because he realizes he's in a different world. Because yes. Fal- Falcone tells him, he's like, you're Bruce Wayne. You're the Prince of Gotham. You'd have to go a thousand miles to find someone that didn't know your name. So don't come in here and talk about problems. Like, get out of my face. You're a billionaire. That's And a lot of the times, that's the attitude that, that, we, that people have with, with rich people. It's like, wow, you have a billion dollars. Zero problems, right? But in, in reality... There are still problems, no matter there, how much money you have. The, the money helps you bounce back faster, right. usually. Right. For but, some, yeah. th- there's some things that money can't buy, and for everything else, there's Mastercard. Right. <laughs> That's the saying. But yeah. So Bruce leaves. He gives his coat away to a homeless guy on the street. Which I'm not gonna lie, not the best call because that could really get that homeless guy into a lot of trouble. He was like, "Watch out! People might be looking for this coat." It's like, dude. Yeah. Just buy him a different coat. Right. Like, give the guy a coat, but right. not the coat everyone's looking for. It was a very yeah. in- it was very interesting symbolism they gave there. He's like, "Oh, it's cold, but I'm gonna toss my coat away." And yeah. it, it was it was very. It, I understand I, why they did it, but I was like, "Man, that." Yeah, mm. <laughs> I, I do agree that there is this nice trajectory that they show, in that this trauma happens and. Actually, there were so there were a few quotes that that I felt like really showed the trajectory, kind of like you're talking about, where where he's starting to realize what path he needs to take. And and once again, the fear piece seems to really float through. And so first off, his dad says, while he's dying, Bruce, it's okay, don't be afraid. Then 
Alfred's trying to help him through, like, I, I think the memorial had just happened or whatever. And he says, it was my fault, Alfred, if I hadn't gotten scared. Yes. And then, so after all this Carmine Falcone, he realizes, okay, I need to step away. I need to understand the world better so that I can actually impact it. Because he's taking what Rachel Dawes says. He's taking what Carmine Falcone says and putting it together and realizing I was trying to do a quick fix and what do I need to do? And so then he ends up training with, um, okay, they call it League of Shadows here, but essentially the League of Assassins. Yes. I guess they didn't want to use the word assassins. I don't know. Right. Um, and so in that training, he's then someone says to him, you learn to bury your guilt with anger. I will teach you how to face it. And so it's the fear and then the guilt about the fear, and then the anger on top of all of that. And it's so interesting because fear keeps coming up and everyone's saying you you have to face the fear and, and confront the fear and yet are using it in very different ways. Like there's the very destructive, let's literally bring down the entire city. And then there's the, how do we have compassion and, and build up the city to something new and better? Right, and and it's fun because when he's being trained by uh, Ducard, uh, Liam ne- Liam Neeson's character, uh, his character, he Liam uh, Ducard says something very interesting because I guess he's trying to to push Bruce. He's trying to anger yeah. him because he ca- he says like your parents' death was not your fault; it was your father's. And I he, told you you were yeah. you were yeah, and it's like this your, character. your anger does not change the fact that your father failed to act. So I'm oh. not his character. I would not. I don't, I don't. I don't blame Thomas Wayne for that happening to him. I'm just. I, gosh, Gotham's just a bad place. Which honestly, this is the the this is the best Gotham I've ever seen. Most Gotham's are even darker than this. This was yeah. just Chicago, and so. It wasn't so bad. It was Chicago <laughs> with a very cool CGI train. And, and so, yeah, this this Gotham, like, the people in it were bad. But the look of it, yeah, it's just Chicago. Like, we saw the sun in this movie. Yeah. That's, that's well, and it, different. Well, and, and so it's interesting, right? So there's, there's a sense of everybody seems to want vengeance and justice. But for some, it seems like it's this, like, cruel and nasty destructive thing while for others it's this compassionate energy of of rebirth and And, even though everyone seems to be it's almost like everyone's saying do to do the exact same thing to aim for the exact same thing and it's very different because everybody a lot of people are talking about balance and, and and making things just and yet not everyone is incorporating compassion. I think actually at one point Bruce Wayne is like, there has to be compassion. <laughs> well, right. They, and they definitely, yeah, they definitely touch on that because I, and I have the quote here. I made sure to put it down because it was a really good quote. They make like Ducard and the League of Shadows really make it seem like having compassion makes you a weak person because he says to him he says you're stronger than your father and bruce goes Mm -hmm. oh you didn't know my father and he goes but i know the rage that drives you Mm -hmm. right and 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 so it makes he almost makes it seem like there's there's just no hope for some people because he talks about his his family and how he lost his wife 
and he said i was forced to learn that there are those without decency that must be fought without hesitation and without pity your anger gives you great power but if you let it it will destroy you as it almost did me and that's when it comes up and bruce is like what stopped it and ducard says vengeance and so here's the thing everything he's saying is what i would say as a therapist until that point which is hopefully obvious <laughs> vengeance so so <laughs> anger and also fear a- a- yes. anything that we just let build and build and and overtake us whether we let it consume us or whether we try and shove it into a corner if we don't let ourselves find a way through these things really can degrade us and 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 pull us apart and what he's saying is very true but ironically when he says vengeance he's he's just talking about maneuvering his anger into a very aggressive action mm-hmm. and so all he's doing is creating Honestly, a, a lot of destruction that he himself was struggling with. He's just, right. he's almost like deflecting it on onto other people. Yes. And um, so I was actually looking up some stuff because I, I was like, so so what what is vengeance versus justice versus all of that? Right. And and so some of it seems to be like okay for justice, there's more of the focus on on restoring balance versus like revenge and then maybe a little bit of vengeance like that's more like retaliation like eye for eye versus okay but at the end everybody's gonna lose an eye so how do we just kind of create balance reduce chaos Mm -hmm. but also at the end of the day a lot of it so one of the interesting things um that they were mentioning was the fact that really having a drive for vengeance you tend to have unreasonable, unrealistic expectations. Yes. Yes. And so Ra's al Ghul and, and a lot of these folks, I mean, I mean, it makes sense to be angry and, and to want to do something, but that, that drive for vengeance where there's almost, it, it seems like it's more of a punishment kind of thing versus a let's create a more balanced world. Yes. And so a lot of that coming from, the the a very unreasonable expectation that could not be met there were literally people improving the city and he was like good i'm glad that we can kill them off so things can get bad again so we can destroy the city right and yeah it's yeah they very quickly you you very quickly learn like oh these these are going to be the villains of of this movie because you (laughs) even find out later on like oh yeah we're going to destroy gotham and it's not the first time. And they go back in history for all of these, like Rome, Constantinople, like all of these places that they burned to the ground. And I'm like, but everybody there wasn't bad. Like you, mm-hmm. like there were a handful of people. And even then, like you can't go all Frank Castle on them, right? Like you can't, you can't do that. And Bruce learns that early on because right then they're like, hey, kill this man. And he's like, no, I'm not. Mm. I'm not gonna kill this this guy, and that sets up the whole thing because uh, he ends up blowing up the whole place, and uh, Ra's al Ghul seemingly dies, but he saves Ducard. And real quick, well, and that's the and that's the difficulty here is it's it's let's process through your fear, let's get through your anger, but really it's let's put it on someone else rather than let's help you through. 
where we're actually going to make someone else fearful and someone else have that, you know, focus that retaliation on them, which isn't great. Right. And so then that's when Bruce is like, okay, I'm going to use all this stuff I learned, but I'm going to help Gotham in a different way. And at that point, Mm -hmm. like I said, that's when you find out all the like inner workings of things because it's, they can't nail Falcone to anything because they don't have any proof. And so the district attorney is struggling. Rachel is like the assistant DA. She's struggling Mm -hmm. with that. Uh, Commissioner Gordon is working as like the only good cop. And he's not commissioner yet. Oh yeah. He's yeah. He's not commissioner. He's just a regular cop. Right. Um, And of course, well, I think he might be a, is he a detective at that point? I think Maybe. so. Yeah, because he wasn't in uniform by then. Right. He wasn't in uniform by then, so he definitely was all, he wasn't just like a beat cop like in before. But even his partner that was talking to him is like, hey, you make all the other guys nervous because you don't take money from Falcone like we do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is that is the system that bad that he's like <laughs> I al- love that, right? Alone in feel- being a good cop. Yeah. You should feel bad because we know you're not corrupt. Right. You You should should feel feel guilty. Right. Like, what is that? Like, you make a lot of the guys nervous because here you are doing your job the way you're supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) But that's such a normal thing. I mean, think about it. People tend not to like the person who's doing their job best. (laughs) Right. Like, whoa, that's the guy. He didn't cheat on his test. I don't like him, right? <laughs> We're all going to get compared to this guy? Oh, right, no, you're right. ruining the curve. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, you, you end up learning all the system. I'm like, man, this is this movie. Th- this this is something that's interesting about the, the Batman Begins. It's not just Batman out here beating up criminals. Like, it's all True. for a reason. Like, it's like, hey, I'm going to beat these guys up. I'm going to leave them for the police because, hey, they needed them at this crime scene or... And, and mm-hmm. it's something throughout the Nolan trilogy. It's like, oh, you can't get that guy? Well, I can. So I'm going to go to Hong Kong and I'm going to beat up all his bad guys and then <laughs> kidnap him and bring him back to Gotham for you. Like, so. Yeah. It's, you know, it's yeah. a really good point. Uh, I think you're right that he's one of the best uh, depictions in terms of, yeah, be, seeing more of the whole picture. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, because the the experiences we have really op- open our eyes to different things. And he had this really terrible thing happen to him as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then he got blinders on where he saw everything through that and, and had these assumptions about um, what the world is like. And I, I understand the world because of what I went through. And then these other layers, what you were talking about with Rachel Dawes happens, what happened with Carmine Falcone, and then the blinders come off. Yes. And so, okay, the trauma is still there. I still went through that, but the blinders are off and I'm now seeing everybody else's world. And then he goes out and really does something about it. And, and you're right. It's a really great portrayal of him becoming more than the the billionaire right millionaire billionaire i guess nowadays billionaire uh and and i i think sometimes that's the hardest part about his character is people like how relatable can batman be he's got all this money but this is a really good depiction which which highlights how he steps out of that and actually i mean 
in this movie, for a good chunk of it, he doesn't have like any money, so it's all Alfred's because he's legally dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he was, so yeah, he was gone for seven years. Oh gosh, that was great when he he comes back and he's out there just like playing golf with the the secretary. He's like, oh, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it, it this company. They'll call back. It'll be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And and he just. He he walks around. And it's so funny because his Bruce Wayne persona is such a douche. Like you, you yep. You this is the one that everybody thinks of, right? So they yeah. saw Robert Pattinson. They were like, "This isn't right. This is wrong." And it's like, okay, well, this is one version. Personally, my favorite yeah. style. But yeah, there's there's the the one where it's okay. I'm putting on the full cockiness, and he's he's not so much stuck within himself versus the Robert Pattinson version who I think in some ways still very much has the blinders on. Yeah. And it's whenever I see Bruce, like this, this Bruce Wayne persona, it's almost like overacting. Like he's, he's, it's almost like he's really leaning in on the stereotype, right? Like he's really mm-hmm. like, I'm going to show up with two ladies. They're going to jump in the swimming pool. If anyone has a problem with it, I'm going to buy the hotel. And now we're going to leave in the Lamborghini. Cause I don't care. And I just jumped in the pool with them with this thousand dollar suit. And I don't care. Which is like- very smart because that's the last guy you think is going to go and risk his life and do all of this stuff because yes. he's this frivolous, obnoxious. Di- he even fools his like lifelong childhood friend. Right. Right. And to the point where at the end she talks about what his mask is. So one of the things with Batman that often, you know, people talk about is so if you compare Superman and Batman, Superman is the mask and Clark Kent is the 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 person versus with Batman, it tends to be that Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is the person underneath. And they really, really accentuated that in this movie. Yes. Because even after he gets out of the pool, like Rachel's almost upset with him because at that point when he had gotten back, they hadn't seen each other at at all. And so he's like, how are things? And she's, and she's like, it's, bad out here basically and he's mm-hmm. he goes well he he basically almost ridicules her a little bit like you can't change the world on your own and she she comes right back at him it's like i mean i gotta do something especially when you're too busy mm-hmm. swimming and and that yeah that's go ahead. Sa- that that's oh i'm just thinking like the the amount of sacrifice yes that 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 takes where your your public face so imagine that, I mean, you and I are both in helping fields. You're a teacher. I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. We don't lean forward with that in everything that we do. But the helping part of us, people that really want to help and, and bring forth positive change, to, to completely change the face that shows to the public, to the people that come across you, to be essentially the opposite. Right where it's in such conflict with the values underneath, that's a very, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, you have right. to be so committed. And and really, she's right. I mean, the more you do that, the the just the more Bruce Wayne has to be completely separate. It's You've got to completely detach yourself because, man, that would just, it yeah. would hurt to, to put out such a different, face to people than what's true inside and it kind of breaks him because even at one point he's like he he even basically tells he's like rachel 
this this is mm-hmm. me like inside yes i'm i'm more and i'm like dude chill chill you gonna you got got a job so to think do about right it now. he's but, so committed yeah. to all of this stuff but yes it it hurts so much for someone whose opinion that matters yes to see him in this light that is so different from what he actually cares about, what he values, that yes. he actually breaks character. Yeah, absolutely. And and but that and that was good because it was the first time you see him almost like get shaken away from his his main mission a little bit. Yep. Uh, but you're you bring up a really good point because so many times I feel like we see it all the time. Super nice people that secretly are not very good people. And mm. this was the opposite. This guy seems mm-hmm. like he's not a very good person, but mm-hmm. actually it's the opposite. And so I thought yep. that was that was really interesting. And he uses that quote to actually kind of tell her at the end of the movie mm-hmm. that he's Batman. He's, he's like, because he said, it's not who you are underneath, but it's what you do that defines you. And she's like, oh my God, I said that to Bruce. <laughs> you're a bruise like it's like the light bulb moment that you always enjoy Mm -hmm. whenever someone finds out that bruce wayne is batman and so the the next big conflict comes because the district attorney gets killed who i couldn't figure out if rachel was dating because they definitely kissed on she kissed him on the cheek and like that was that was clearly a he was into her and she wasn't really into him type gotcha. situation. Gotcha. Yeah, because he was like trying okay, during yeah. part of it okay, to go gotcha. somewhere, um, which also like, dude, you're her boss. Yeah, and I'm not gonna. But lie. whatever. I'm a little bit annoyed because in this one she's the assistant district attorney, and then in the next movie she's the assistant district attorney and i'm like no she should be the district attorney they're like no 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 harvey dent's the district attorney and she's in love with him and i'm like no she knows this system and she knows this city better than anyone she should be the district attorney like it's whatever yeah that's another subject i guess but well welcome to my world keaton yes (laughs) It's... Fortunately, the world the world has changed quite a bit. It's actually interesting seeing superhero movies, even just, I mean, these aren't that long ago, right. obviously, but there's there's definitely been better representation and better um, diversification of people's storylines yeah. and development of characters. And like, I, I think if it was done today, they might have found a way where maybe Harvey Dent wasn't DA or I don't know, done that some somehow yeah. differently. Definitely. But one thing that these movies these movies do is it shows that in a completely corrupt system, it's really difficult for the good people to do anything. And you see that with everything going on with the DA and Rachel. You see it with Gordon and all the dirty cops he's around. You even see it at Wayne Enterprises with Lucius Fox. He used to be on the board. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they moved him to applied sciences to, like, get out of everyone's way and let them do all the corrupt and whatever stuff that they want to do to make more money. While he was doing his best to keep up the tradition and ideals that Thomas Wayne would have wanted. And they were like, well, he's dead now. He's been dead. So you 
get out of here and go to applied sciences. You're not on our board anymore. <laughs> and so it's, it's bad because like, man, everyone that's trying to do good is not able to. And that's when, of course, the League of Shadows comes back and they're like, yeah, we're mm-hmm. here. It's a very stereotypical Batman plot. Like, we're going to vaporize Gotham's water supply. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that does sound like a comic book villain thing to do, right? Like, we're going to vaporize all of Gotham's water supply, and it's full of fear gas that activates when you... When it when it vaporizes, I mean, it's, a, it's it's one of the more terrible options. Yeah, it I would is. Definitely, it, and it and it's like literally locking down the city, which I guess is a island in the right or whatever. But we're shutting off the bridges and da 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 da. da. Literally everyone, even including like this poor little kid who seems to always be around when the worst stuff happens. Yeah, and and that kid would grow up to be Joffrey Lannister, like the actor. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, that's oh. him. That's him. You know? <laughs> he didn't have a chance. <laughs> it makes so much sense right. now. Jo- yeah, Joffrey grew up in Gotham and Oh. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I always I always <laughs> laugh at it because yes, it's 100% him. Uh, and oh, also, man. that kid He looks also... so innocent and not capable of such horrible things at that point. Well, he also, isn't he, in the movie, isn't he Jim Gordon's son? Isn't he James Gordon Jr.? It's hard to know for sure. Isn't I'm it? not really I sure. that he was, and if so, I'm like, man, it's really not going to end well for him. Because <laughs> Jim Gordon yeah. Jr. is a character all on his own that we can explore later. Yeah, we're going to have to hit on his character. Yeah, Gordon's son is a... Oof. He's, he's a case. He's a... He's a person. <laughs> he's a. I think he's currently <laughs> at one point he's with the Suicide Squad. And really? Yeah. At one point he ends up over there with them, which is pretty cool because he's like a criminal mastermind. Uh, mm. But yeah, but not in the Nolan verse. Back to the Nolan verse. I told y'all I get distracted. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Batman finds a way to save the day. But even in this, one thing they do very interesting is they show that it's not just Batman saving the day. Like it takes Batman. That's true. It takes the district attorney's office. It takes Commissioner Gordon and mm-hmm. all of them together as a team. Of course, along with Alfred helping Batman, like all of them as a team are able to yeah. get to get things done. That's such a great point. Maybe that's why that movie hit us so well. Mm-hmm. We were like, wow. Because, I mean, there have been a lot of great superhero movies since then and da-da-da. Uh, and you're so right. It takes the good people in all the different parts of the system working together. Yeah. For it all to come to fruition, I really like that. That's a great point. Yeah, because so many other times in in Batman, in Batman movies, especially like the the Burton ones, Commissioner Gordon's basically like, man, only only Batman can save us. Like uh-huh. he's so quick to turn on that signal. Like, oh wow, a bank's being robbed, y'all. Turn on the bat signal. I'm like, you have <laughs> cops that can like, <laughs> like it's like, oh man, that 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 lady just her purse was just stolen. Commissioner Gordon's like, you know what to do. Plug in the bat signal. There's a cat stuck in the tree. Right. Like, like, man, if only (laughs) Superman were here and we didn't have all these fire trucks. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it's definitely the the Nolan movies definitely set it up as more of a team effort. 
it's it's yeah, it's more of a I team agree. effort and and yeah because batman certainly can't do it alone and they focus on that too they're like he can't just beat people up that's mm-hmm. not enough like okay we need this we need this and we yeah. need this to put someone away otherwise you gave him a black eye and that's great yeah. but that's it now it's just a criminal with a black eye right yeah. Right. So I have one more thing about this movie that I definitely wanted to make sure to touch on because I actually, so I do some presentations and education training stuff for part of my job. And I actually talk, I bring up Batman Begins sometimes mm-hmm. because of like my favorite quote. Uh, so it's, it's when Bruce falls into the Bat Cave. And, you know, he's all scared and everything. And his dad goes down and grabs him and, yes. and takes him in. I think he's, like, got a broken arm or something. And Thomas says this. And then later Alfred says it uh, to Bruce when he's in a really down and out place. And what he says is, why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Oh, that is such, it's such a great line. So, yeah, it's such a great line. And here's why I love it. So there, so Dr. Patricia Deegan, who does, has done a a lot in terms of uh, disability and and mental health disability, um, coined the term dignity of risk. Okay. And so I love that quote because it highlights why every single person needs the freedom and ability to fail. Yes. So dignity of risk, one of the things that can can happen if someone is really struggling is we don't want them to struggle. Right. We care. But what we can inadvertently do is if a person has already really struggled in their lives, we might try and use kid gloves, so to speak, or try and protect people from things, mm-hmm. or, or we might have a sense that, oh, this person is capable of doing this and not capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And we can inadvertently prevent a person from the trial and error that we have to have to succeed and to thrive. And so dignity of risk is essentially what what Thomas Wayne is saying is we're not trying and it, it all hits on this whole fear theme that goes through this whole movie, right? It's not that we need to avoid things that make us afraid or we need to avoid things where we might fall. It's the fall is there for a reason. We we do, we leap, we we run, we try, we fall. And in the fall, we learn to pick ourselves back up. Right. And that's where we thrive. That's really good. Yeah, that's yeah. wow. That and and yeah, dignity of risk. Dignity of risk. Wow. I really like that. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. of that before. And yeah. It's one of my absolute favorite phrases because, I mean, and and we can even ourselves become afraid of failure and afraid of falling. Yeah. Because it hurts and it sucks and it's embarrassing and all sorts of things happen. And, I mean, there are so many different scientists and people and da-da-da where, you know, they talk about the failures and how it leads to some sort of realization or you've got to try something to figure out if it's going to work or not and then – you learn from that and move on from there. But yeah, dignity of risk. Oh my gosh. I really, really like that. That's something I would like to like dig into and 
and focus on. I love this podcast. Yes. Don't you worry. On our website, I'll put it on the BAT database for you. So Dignity of Risk, so you can read some more about it. Sweet. So, yeah, I know we're... We're, we're hitting the point where we're about to do some some mindfulness exercises. But before that, I do want to mention that uh, Scarecrow gets tased in the face by <laughs> Rachel Dawes in this movie. And I really did not want to go the full episode without definitely making mention of the fact that he's riding a horse <laughs> through the streets of Gotham. And... He's wearing his mask, and he gets shot in the face with a taser. And that was the end of his character arc in this movie. (laughs) Also, also, Batman definitely kind of sort of killed someone at the end of this. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. you. And it's like, eh. (laughs) That's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely a hard, hard shade of gray there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Both excellent points, yes. and both are exactly why I love you. Yes. See, this is this, see, yeah, this is what uh, Amelia brings to the table: something really deep and meaningful. <laughs> and I have written on a postcard. Remember to talk about Scarecrow getting taste in the face. Those are the notes <laughs> that I bring to this podcast. <laughs> Love it. Love every minute of it. So good. Oh, okay. Now that we've had a nice laugh, I love it. Um, okay. So my mindful nerd moment for you today is, I think it's a little different than any of the other ones we've done. And so you're going to have to potentially work a little bit harder with this one. So what we're going to do is guided imagery of a bat cave. So what I, I wanted to take the theme of this movie because I was like, what am I going to do? And I came up with a few ideas and I liked the idea of, of bats in a cave because it's not innately relaxing, probably for most people, right. no judgment if it is relaxing for you, <laughs> but bats flying past you, squeaking and squawking in a cave, rushing past you, usually our reaction is to scrunch away or to bat them away or to, to, to have some sort of reaction like, ah. And so sometimes what can be nice with, with mindfulness is trying to practice something that's not going to be innately relaxing because it's really honing the skill. It's not all about in that very moment feeling relaxed, mm-hmm. but finding a way to find a sense of relaxation in any moment or find uh, relaxation. Maybe that's not the best phrase, but more a, an acknowledgement and finding a way to not try and force every issue and everything, just being able to take in the fact that we can't control it all. And in, in, in accept, accepting the, the lack of control, we can actually almost find like almost a little bit of Zen or something in these moments, even though it's not a comfortable situation for us. So essentially finding a way to be okay with the discomfort. Gotcha. So that's what we're aiming for. So what we're going to do is we're going to envision the Batcave and and just trying to use that same mindfulness we've been using mm-hmm. while imagining the, the bats flying by. Okay. 
All right. So as per usual, find a comfortable position where you can relax and breathe easy. Uh, but also, you know, it, it helps to be sitting at least somewhat straight or, or lying straight, um, just in terms of the, the comfort and position. And first, as per usual, if you're comfortable, closing your eyes can be helpful for focusing or just relaxing your eyes so you're not looking anywhere in particular. And let's just start by noticing your breath. Focus on how it fills your belly and abdomen when you inhale. And notice how it empties when you exhale. And as you breathe, just notice if there's any tension or discomfort in your body. And imagine releasing that tension, that discomfort as you exhale your breaths. And now let's allow our minds to go to the coolness of an underground cave. Just allow this to happen. The place may be familiar or it may be somewhere brand new. But just allow your mind to float there and to become aware of the cave and how it feels and imagining how it would look and sound. Next, take a few moments to notice the sound of bats flapping and, and, and squeaking in the background. Notice these sounds coming closer and you're able to see, hear, and feel bats coming toward you and flying past. Feel the air shift with the beating of their wings. Hear the high-pitched call as it goes by your ear and notice as they start to echo away. And just practice noticing bats periodically flying by you without attempting to change the experience and without attempting to label this experience as something you like or that you don't like. Do not imagine moving away. Don't attempt to shift the bats in any direction or another. Just allow them to be a part of the place you are in. They're neither good nor bad. They just are. We're going to come back from the exercise soon. So just allow one more lone bat to start flying towards you, a few high-pitched calls as it moves by. You notice and feel the flapping of the wings and once again, just allowing it to be in this space, not forcing it or changing it, not speeding it along or slowing it down, just allowing it to be. And as that bat flies away, begin to pay attention to your breath again. Notice the change in temperature as you shift from your imagination in the cave back to where you are. And take one last deep breath in and out before you come back to the room. So how was that? That was different. Mm -hmm. That was very different because it's it's almost like uh, learning to to deal with something that would normally bother you 
yes uh, a lot mm-hmm. like putting your like the the i normally when you think of mindfulness it's it's putting yourself in the most peaceful possible situation uh-huh. but in this it was putting yourself in a somewhat terrifying environment and mm. being peaceful with it yes. which i guess in a way would be good because it's like even if you're in a stressful environment and need mindfulness, you're essentially kind of putting yourself in an even more stressful environment to mm. kind of, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Nice. Yep. We can create more pain and suffering for ourselves by trying to force something to be something that it's not. Right. And and it, it can be weird where this is an exercise where we say, okay, I'm going to choose to make myself feel uncomfortable. Right. Right, And it's for that purpose. Like you're saying, we will never be able to constantly be in comfortable situations. And so this is a way of practicing how do I allow an uncomfortable place, space, experience to be uncomfortable. And, And don't get me wrong, certain uncomfortable things need to be changed or we need to exit that scenario. But if, I mean, as long as there's not rabies and blah, 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 blah. And imagine you're Bruce falling to the bottom of the cave. You can't make the bat stop. Right. And if you try to make the bat stop, you're just adding layers of stress and tension to yourself by trying to control the uncontrollable. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point of this kind of exercise. I feel like this is something that would be really, really good for the average Gothamite. Ah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, could be worse. Could be in the water with killer crop. <laughs> Your favorite reference. I always gotta mention him. Nine foot tall alligator man. Crocodile man. Just living in the sewers of God. No big deal. It's fine. We're all fine. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. You can find me at Crafting the Mind on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. You can find me and my friends' movie reviews and reaction videos at teamjvs.com or on YouTube at teamjvs. For more information on this and other topics, check out our website at bat-therapy.com. To keep current on episodes and other updates, subscribe to our Bat Therapy YouTube channel or follow us on social media. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.